Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you again for uh, for another day. Um, we think about uh, the this this Passion Week uh, where you came and and you were arrested and you went to the cross for our sin. And we know that uh, it wasn't the nails that kept you there, but it was your love for us that that kept you on the cross. And uh, Father, we're 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 unworthy of this kind of uh, love and sacrifice that you had for us. Mm. But Father, we, we just want to honor you. We want to praise you, Father, because uh, we know that you are good. You're the God of love. You're the God of second chances. Mm. Uh, we thank you for, for so many things. Mm. And Father, we just pray that you would give us your words this morning. Pray, Father, that you would mm. use Pastor Paul and, and really speak to us. Mm. And uh, yeah, I just Pray that you would bless this time as, as we study your word, as we uh, honor you this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Daniel. Today we will see the first of two trials of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus was taken from Garden of Gethsemane to the house of a high priest where Sanhedrin tried to condemn him. So let's read Mark chapter 14, verse 53 to 62. They took Jesus to the high priest and all the chief priests, the elders and teachers of the law came together. Peter followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. There he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire. By the way, Mark briefly mentioned Peter's whereabouts at the moment. Here, before he described the full story of his denial about Jesus in the next passage, uh, verse 66 to 72. Why? It is a Mark's rhetorical signal or style that Peter's denial and Jesus' trial happened at the same time, or they were concurrent events. So today we will focus on Jesus' trial, and tomorrow we'll see Peter's uh, denial. Verse 55. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they did not find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their statement did not agree. Then some stood up and gave this false testimony against him. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with the human hands. In three days, we'll build another not made with the hands. Yet, even when their testimony did not agree, then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of a mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses, he asked. You have heard the blasphemy? What do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him, struck him with their fists, and said, Prophesy. And the guards took him and beat him. Karl Barth, in his masterpiece, 
church dogmatics made an ironic but insightful statement about the doctrine of reconciliation. That is, God's reconciling work in Christ allowed the judge to be judged. Judge to be judged. That's the uh, Karl Barth summary of a doctrine of reconciliation. The reversal of judgment was what took place in the trial of Jesus where God was judged by humans. Creator was condemned by his creatures. Here, we encounter two truths, the reversal of judgment and revelation of God as the true witness. First, for the reversal of judgment, let's see verse 55. The chief priest and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. Sanhedrin was composed of 70 members presided by a high priest, so altogether 71. Today, all of them gathered at the house of a high priest in the wee hours of the morning. That means they are well prepared for this and orchestrate everything together. The high priest at the time was a Caiaphas, according to other Gospels. Caiaphas was a very able and seasoned politician and administrator who kept his office over 19 years, while others served the, the average term of a high priest only for four years. And they were not just looking for evidence against Jesus, but they were actually fabricating all the possible false evidences to condemn and execute Jesus. And verse 56 said, many testified falsely against him. And then verse is not going well. So verse 57, then some stood up and gave this false testimony against him. Some stood up means that some members of a Sanhedrin who were supposed to be a jury or judges became what we call hostile witnesses. They couldn't watch. They plan not winning, but losing. Just like uh, some basketball fans who are upset that their favorite teams are losing during the March Madness. There were many broken procedures in the trial of Jesus, which we will examine uh, some other time. They were not conducting this trial to find the truth and achieve justice. But they are conducting this trial to build a case of a capital punishment against Jesus and get rid, of, get rid of him once for all. Let us pause a moment and reflect on this odd, strange picture about sinners judging their Savior. There is a C.S. Lewis book entitled God in the Dark, God in the Dark which is a collection of his, uh, some important essays Actually, his friends posthumously published it. The title of the book came from the main essay, God in the Dark. God in the Dark does not mean God in the harbor or seaport, but God in the booth in, in a, a British courtroom. Dark in the British courtroom is where the accused sit during the trial. Lewis says, this is what Lewis uh, is trying to say. In the ancient time, ancient people 
had a keen sense of sin and approached God as an accused person approaches his judge. In contrast, most modern people reverse the roles. Lacking any sense of sin, humankind became the judge. So they put God in the dock. They're the one who put the dead, they put the God in the seat of accused. That's what C.S. Lewis trying to say. Sanhedrin was not only one who falsely accused God. We all accuse God from time to time. So let me ask you this question. What are you judging God with these days in your life? Which area of our life are you accusing God of a failing to be kind of God you want Him to be? Are you blaming God? I want to remind all of us that God's judgment is fair because it is us who judged Him first. And everyone one day will be judged by his own judgment about God, especially about Jesus. Now, at the end of many false attempts, Sanhedrin's trial of Jesus was not going well. Verse 59 said, Yet even then their testimony did not agree. With all the preparation, their condemnation of Jesus was not gaining no ground, and they were unexpectedly losing. So Caiaphas stood up before them. And verse 60, the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of a Blessed One? Can you see here that the accused was winning the trial? Because of false witnesses, they, don't, they can corroborate their testimonies against Jesus. So had Jesus kept his silence, you know, he could be released from this trial. If I were Jesus, I'd be tempted to say, I never say I was a Messiah, but the smelly guy at your courtyard near the fire says so, so go get him. When Sanhedrin failed to bring witnesses, guess what? Jesus finally broke his silence and became the true witness in his own trial. Verse 62, Jesus said, I am. This is the first time in the Gospel of Mark when Jesus broke the messianic secret. Do you remember that all along, up to now, Jesus was telling the demons and the cured people, people that he healed, and then even uh, Peter and his disciples not to reveal his messianic identity. Here in his own trial, the worst time for the truth, Jesus revealed his true identity openly. As you know, I am means the famous self-revelation of God in Exodus 3 where God told Moses his name, I am who I am. Tell Israelite, I am sent you. That's the second truth of today's trial. They couldn't condemn Jesus without his help. And Jesus, the true judge, 
was also the true witness. And then Jesus gave them more uh, and second answer, that you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. This statement of Jesus is combination of two well-known Old Testament passages, Psalm and the book of Daniel. Psalm 110.1 says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool over your feet. Daniel 7.13 also said, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was a one like a son of a man, Coming with the clouds of heaven, he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. Jesus here was talking about and predicting and confirming about the second coming. Why did Jesus say about his second coming as the judge of God's final trial for all mankind? Here, Jesus was giving Sanhedrin and all, uh, all, his, uh, uh, all, all, all those opposed to him a time and chance to repent. While Sanhedrin falsely accused and judged him, Jesus was faithfully proclaiming the ultimate judgment of God which is coming with him. Here we see that Jesus was both true witness and the faithful redeemer of mankind. Revelation 3.14 called Christ the faithful and true witness and ruler of God's creation. Revelation 3.14 says, These are the words of the Amen, faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. Today's trial ends with condemning Jesus with a charge of blasphemy against God. A great irony was that they were committing the greatest blasphemy against God who came to save them. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Sanhedrin, was not only one who falsely accused you. We confess that when we can control you in our own way, when we don't like outcome or any situation in our life, we also complain, even condemn you secretly in our heart. Forgive us, Lord, for we are so blind with our own desires and wishes that we often forget to see you, the true God, and faithful Redeemer. Truly, you are the only true God and the only ruler of our life that we want to follow with all of our trust and obedience. Help us walk with you faithfully today as you walk for us in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. In your most true holy name we pray. Amen.